Welcome to Tangled Web, a conversation about where we are now and where we're going with the web. Today I'm talking to Doc Williams, whose YouTube channels Doc Williams and Maker Tech Tools cover a huge range of just the kind of tech topics that interest me. I especially wanted to talk to him when I saw that he'd created NFTs called Atom Bomb Bunnies using no-code tools. Web free, no code, this is going to be good. So Doc Williams, welcome to Tangled Web. Well, thank you so much for having me. Before we begin, a quick disclaimer. This is not investment advice. Tangled Web is about tech, not investment. It's for information purposes only, and you should not base any investment decisions on it. Do your own research. I wonder if you could start by just telling us a little bit about your story. How have you come to put up so much amazing content on YouTube? Um, well, you know, it. I, I, do, I did not have a tech background, to tell you the truth. Um, in fact, in high school, I failed out of most of my programming classes. So I went into entrepreneurship. Well, okay. I was in fitness first. So I was a massage therapist. Then I was a physical therapist assistant. Um, and then I was in sports and started writing and people asked me if I knew how to create websites and create web apps and I said yes and then I started learning how to do it and <laughs> this was around I guess 2013 2014 so a lot of the I mean there was just the beginning of no code platforms out there um so I started just frankensteining together stuff and yep. releasing different apps and things like that. Um, fast forward a couple of years later, got picked up to be on a couple different uh, startups, became a CTO, CIO. And then after, because I got burnt out from startups, I started consulting. And when I used to consult, I used to send them videos of what I thought and what they need to do and all these things. Fast forward to 2020 and the pandemic, I most of my clients that were in fitness all their businesses failed and they, you know, they had to pivot and, and leave and stuff like that. And I was in a group called 100 Days of No Code that Max put yeah. together. Like he had just launched it like two weeks before. And Edmund and a couple others, like everyone that you see, KP on No Code Twitter, we're all there. Um, Sarath, that's at uh, Product Hunt. And I was like, I'm stuck in the house. I'm going to do 100 days of videos of what I do anyway that I'm just going to put up, but they were unlisted. And Edmund was like, you have really good videos. Like you should just make them public. And before I just have them for clients and I, that's when I just made them public. So a lot of the videos you see online, they, that's what I use. I, I've done that for years. I just didn't think anyone would care. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so I just didn't put them out. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's an amazing story. I, I love people who are self-taught in tech. There's, there's something special about people who have learned it for themselves. They approach things differently. How do you think that's affected the way that you approach things in your career in tech? Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, I love, I love developers. My dad is the developer, but me and my dad, we don't learn the same way. We don't, we don't even talk the same way. So I find that a lot of developers have already a foundation, how they approach things. And that's just not how I learn. And number two, I'm severely dyslexic. So a lot of the programming books just do not make sense to me. They just don't make sense. And so I have to approach them very simply because I just did not understand the basic concepts. And so I think the structure of how you think about going about constructing 
anything from databases to apps are completely different. But now that no code and low code allow ones from different backgrounds, artists, teachers to come into the world, I find that that is a more common language that I can get behind or that's how I have good synergy and then go from there. So I think it's completely different, but yeah. I think that's good. I think that's, I think that's what the world needs. Yeah, I think it really is. I, I think that's what puts uh, a lot of people off uh, coding in particular is that uh, it's seen as something where you have to have a certain kind of background, a certain kind of way of thinking, and it's often presented in the same kind of a way. So presenting it differently is powerful. Absolutely, absolutely. How have you found it building a following on YouTube? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I <laughs> So... Um... I originally tried to have a YouTube channel years before. Um, so I actually was on YouTube years. So I started my first YouTube channel in 2008 and then it just did nothing. <laughs> it just yeah. did nothing. I just, so I, I started that it did nothing. Then in 2014, I tried it again and someone told me like it was, He's now on the YouTube creator like Academy. He's, he's, he's pretty well known, but he's like, if you don't, if you don't put in a hundred percent on YouTube, like do not even start. And so yeah. I just didn't start <laughs> for like six <laughs> more years. I, yeah. so the, the thing is what I'll say about that is YouTube is so big that as long as you find it interesting and you clearly want to help other people, there is a clear path for you on YouTube. As long as you're enjoying it and you really want to help people, you're not doing a bait and switch or you're doing yeah. clickbait, you will get a following. Now, I'll, if you want, I can talk about like, there's a few concepts that I don't think people really consider, but that is the following. So uh, in 2020, during the pandemic, I started, you know, I had less than 100. We went from 100 to 1,000 in the first eight months. The next uh, 14 months went from 1,000 to 11,000. And now we're at like 11,400, something like that. Wow. Well, uh, were there particular tactics you put into that? Or was it simply consistency of putting good content out there? Consistency. Consistency. Yeah. And, and uh, when I first started, especially with 100 days of no code, I, I committed to doing 40 days straight. And I would build three businesses every single night for 40 nights. And then that became the first part of the channel. So let's talk about no code. You've got a, a lot of content out there, like guides to no code tools and comparisons of no code tools. And you have videos on how to build Netflix using only no code tools, which is fantastic. So, so what got you interested in no code particularly? Um, I'm very cheap. <laughs> and <laughs> I was just so tired of developers saying like it was going to be a hundred thousand dollars or what just the astronomical yeah. amounts of money to build things and i just knew that it could have been an easier way to do it um now i will say some things you do need to you still need a developer to do certain things at this yeah. moment but the vast majority to validate and to do things you do not need to know how to code in this day and time and yeah. so i thought and I saw it around me that so many different types of people were just getting fleeced by they just thought that they needed to pay someone to do these things. 
Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, there's all of these tools out here. There's all of, there's this giant world. Let's just talk about it. And yeah, I, I, and I, I needed to talk about something where I could, something I was passionate about. And, um, I was a huge uh, fan of AppSumo, still am with Noah Kagan and all them. And, yeah. um, that, I mean, that's where I found most of my things. I mean, so when, when Noah came out with his, like, when did Sumo come out? Like, Sumo Me came out in 2011, 20 something like that. I was using Sumo Me and then I was using AppSumo by 2013. And then I was just constantly, I, I mean, I swear I almost got divorced because I would buy so many tools every month, <laughs> every month. Um, and that, that's where it came from. So, one of the directions you've gone with no code is Web3. So, so let's go there. What, what does Web3 mean to you? Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I just think it's everyone has a different definition, but I feel like Web three to me would have to do with machine learning, AI, and crypto. And most people now, because the hottest right now is more crypto, and I think I don't think AI is there yet for the common consumer to have something that's easily yet. It's getting close with more video games and things like that, and. I just don't think machine learning is as sexy as crypto right now. Yeah. And yeah. so now we see NFTs and we see so many applications. Um, so yeah, I, I see it divided into those three different aspects, but I'm focused more into the crypto space now. Yeah, machine learning's tricky. It's uh, extraordinarily powerful for big tech companies that have huge data sets because there's an awful lot that machine learning could do on a big data set. It's more difficult to get started for somebody who doesn't have that kind of data set. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us about Atom Bomb Buddies. Where did they come from? Yeah. Um, so it, it started with one of my favorite projects out there. I've been talking about them since last year. Buildspace.so. I feel like they're probably one of the best platforms out there to learn. Uh, it's geared towards coding or encoders and developers, but I think this is really going to allow people to level the playing field. So um, I wanted to do a crypto project. I want to do something with NFTs. And Third Web came out, and they yeah. use software development kits, SDKs, and they're like, hey, this is going to be low code. This is going to be no code. And after, it literally took me two months to make my first collection of NFTs coding because I had to because I'm such a bad coder. Like, it takes me so long to code. Um, but with SDKs and with Third Web, I minted in like two hours. I minted in two wow. hours. Where do the images come from that uh, you're using for the uh, Atom oh. Bunnies? <laughs> oh, my wife. <laughs> I, I thought it was your wife. I thought I saw you say that on Twitter at some point. So so she drew them? She, yeah. she created these in, uh, yeah. in what, Photoshop? Yeah, so she used uh, Procreate. So she's an artist. She does, so she has her own YouTube channel. She has her own following. And so what she does is she does everything with automation, 3D printing, and art. So she was drawing a project and I said, hey, listen, I think, number one, the world needs this. And I think artists need this because a lot of artists are paying way too much on Fiverr for these developers. They can do it themselves. And it's just layers, just like a Photoshop, you know, program anyway so i think they can do that number two i want to show a beginning to ending project so if anyone ever says 
you know, I don't want it ever to be a bait and switch or I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to show you start from start to finish that I know what I'm talking about. And it would be good for me too if I want to invest in a project, I can ask all of the impertinent questions to get the right background or to know what I'm investing in or what projects I should stay away from if they yeah. can't answer my questions. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating. So what's your wife's YouTube channel called? I'll uh, put a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's called Sabrina's Workshop. I'll send you a link. Sabrina's Workshop. And so between the two of you, you've got the images and then you're using the no-code tools to put it together. Is it really simply a matter of, okay, you've got the images, you've got to run through these tools. What's the most difficult part of the process, would you say? I would say the most difficult, and it might seem like most people don't have their wallet set up. So a MetaMask, they don't have their life there. So understanding what crypto, like, what a MetaMask is, how to connect that, how do you get money into the MetaMask? That is actually the most difficult part of it. And a lot of people miss out on that and they're like, oh, it's easy. But if you're not used to it, you you just, oh, I see a lot of people just give up because yeah. they're just like, it's too hard, I can't do it. So yeah. the process of making the images, that's, I mean, you can do that in 45 minutes, but I, I tell people you need two days before get all your bank information, save your passwords in the right way, all the storage, all of the security. That's by far the hardest thing. What are you most excited about for the potential of all this new tech? Hmm, that's interesting. Um, two things I would say. Okay, so automation. So I think the everyday person, I think automation can save people so much time. And so people can just focus on what they want to do. So I think automation is so yeah. important and no longer do you need to code, you know, do a Python script to do automation. It's all there. It's all there yeah. now. So I think everyone being able to know how to think about automation and know how, what they can replace. This doesn't mean that they're going to replace everything, but you can replace a great deal of the tasks. So I think that's number one. Number two, I think it's still very early for crypto. I still think there's so many applications and things, but I think at least testing it out and understanding how to, the, the, the thought process, how these things work, what are nodes, what are these networks, all those things. I think that's going to be huge, just like how Web2, it took a pandemic for so many people to shift over to Web2 and what people need, communication. I think... There's, we're still many years away from Web3 being like everyday life or people relying on it. But I think that's going to change people's entire life where if you're trying to get into tech, you want to be at these huge businesses. The next set of big businesses, I feel, will be Web3 or components of it. You need to start learning what that means for you right now. Say a little bit more about how you think it's going to change people's lives, because we touched on how it might change artists' lives, for example. So, so how do you think it's going to change things for us? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a reason why Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks of uh, in the NBA and others, there's a reason why they care about it now, and it's ownership. When you're having things in crypto, you take away the middleman. And I don't care if it's a big business or small creators. If you can cut out middlemen or the middle transaction, you have more control and you own more of it. 
So big businesses like the Mavs are using it because they want a piece of the pie in the secondary market. That's wonderful. But that also benefits artists that have no control of making money in the secondary. With having blockchain, they will continually make money as long as their art is worth something or any artist. So now, instead of them rushing to have a new collection, they could still be getting reoccurring income years later and they can focus on what they need to focus on or their passions based off of work they did decades before. So I, I think it's going to really change how the economy, the economics of things, this is going to change uh, mu the music industry because why do you have a record label? To sue certain people, to get money, to do all those. It, it, now you're doing this on the Solana network. You, why do I need a record label that goes and takes a percentage? It, it's in the smart contract. I'm making the royalty. I don't need to sign with a record label. So like there's layer one and layer one just means like, Bitcoin, Ethereum, ones that are layer one. They're on the bottom layer of transactions and everything in crypto. Yeah. A layer two means a system built on top of a layer one. So on top of Ethereum, there is yeah. Polygon. What yeah. does that mean? Why do we care? That means the gas fees or the transaction fees are almost none, which means... You can do more transactions, which means you can do more business and all of those things. So when you're doing a layer two, artists that are musicians, artists that are doing all different things, now your fan base, it's more accessible. Right now, Ethereum, if there is a gas war or something's really going high, most people can't even afford to do a transaction on Ethereum midday if it's a normal person versus... Yeah. Polygon, there's no transact, you know, there's no gas fees. So now they can do hundreds, if not thousands, of transactions in a game getting music where they're not being charged hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for one transaction or one thing. And that's where that's where it's really gonna start changing things. Ethereum's still talking about what they're gonna change with with their layer one, but they've been saying that for a long time. They have. You got to keep living life until they figure that out. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? To, uh, for those who aren't familiar with uh, what these fees do, they, they make small transactions impossible. I mean, if you're going to sell $10,000 worth of Bitcoin, then the transaction fee is not a big deal. But if you're just listening to a song, then you don't want to pay huge transaction fees just to register who's, who owns that song and whether you have a right to listen to it and so on. So yeah, it's just a huge deal in terms of making Web3 viable. We'll see. The world, it's, gonna, it's still moving very quickly, but we'll see what happens in the future. Final question here. What about you? Where do you see yourself going with your YouTube channels? What does the future hold for you? Yeah, I, I think for for now, well, you know what, for the future, I'll put it this way. For years, I always wanted to do this, but I didn't I didn't I I didn't have the confidence nor did I think it was feasible, but I view doing more edutainment still to prove what people can do to help people. And uh now we're transforming the the company more from just a consulting aspect to more of a media hub and 
I want to bring on more people that have different versus uh, different diversity, different perspectives to still either be in the network or to collaborate, but really just educate people in a fun way to show people that they can now use technology the way they want. They don't have to be afraid of it and they can create the life and and really the lifestyle that they've always wanted. So that's what I have next up. Beautiful. So listeners, if you'd like to connect with Doc Williams, you can find him on Twitter at underscore Doc Williams and his YouTube channels again are Doc Williams and Maker Tech Tools. Doc Williams, thanks so much for joining me on Tangled Web. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Tangled Web. Join me for fresh insights into the future of the web every other week. Subscribe to the free newsletter, podcast or YouTube channel at tangledweb.media. Remember, the web has only just begun.